0: Identity with Hi and welcome to another episode of Explore Your Identity. Here we dwell into conversations about the different aspects of our identity, both positive and negative, that have shaped who we are. I'd like to welcome my guest, Madeleine Hannigan. She is a co-director of Writing on the Wall. Thank you, Madeleine, for agreeing to have this conversation with me today. How are you doing? I'm good, and thank you for inviting me. So tell me a little bit about your background and where you're from, just to give the audience an idea of your identity. Sure. Um,
1: I was, I grew up in, first of all, Kirby. My family were originally from the Dingle, as my mother would call it, although I know there's some debate about what constitutes the Dingle and what doesn't. But the family were kind of from Enid Street, way. And they moved out to Kirby in uh, the 60s to, you know, to access better housing, housing that wasn't damp, housing that had an indoor bathroom, that kind of, or an indoor toilet, um, you know, more modern housing. So uh, when, after they moved to Kirby, I was born and I lived uh, with my grandparents and my mother, My grandfather was a seafarer, my grandmother was a cleaner in um, the Reese's factory, which used to be very close to Lime Street Station, and my mother trained to be a nurse and then a midwife. So we lived in Kirby until I was seven, um, and we moved out to Skelmersdale, at that time, again, for an improvement in housing, we lived in a flat in Kirby. The idea was that we would have um, a house with stairs and, and the right number of bedrooms. My father is Indian and I didn't meet him until I was an adult. So I've had very little, um, the, you know, this is a podcast about identity, mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm very clearly mixed race, but I've had very little um, influence, Indian influence. I've had none in terms of my upbringing. I didn't meet him until I was, um, until I was in my 20s, actually. And my mother was um, worked on his stall in Kirby Market. And what he- was her background? Her background. My mother's white Liverpoolian, um, of Irish descent.
0: Um. So, what was your family structure like?
1: Um. Well, as I say, there mm. was my um, mother, my grandfather, my grandmother. We all lived in the in the same house. My mother was an only child, um, but my grandmother had was one of nine. So there were lots of cousins and aunties and uncles. So quite a large, um, I'm from quite a large family, a large Liverpool family at any rate. Um, I have one daughter and I now have four grandchildren.
0: Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, Do you feel that as an adult, you've been able to embrace more of your Indian heritage that you probably um, I don't want to use the word missed out on as a child, but that you never really had a direct contact with as a child? Um, well, certainly I've been to India
1: a number of times. My mother and I uh, did travel parts of India on trains, backpacking when um, before my daughter was born, actually. And so I learned a lot more about India, but in terms of culture, mm-hmm. um, I kind of have the view that you know all cultures have things that appeal to me about them, and so I feel that I will just take <laughs> from whatever um, whatever elements of culture, whether it be food, whether it be dress um, and I think that's the beauty of living in a multicultural society that we're not actually. Um, determined by what our genetic makeup is. Mm -hmm. But we can take, we have so many fantastic cultures on offer to us that we can take from those um, as we choose.
0: And what's your favourite food? Um I actually <laughs> based, based on your diversity when it comes to <laughs> well, embracing culture. You know my favourite food
1: is actually Indian food. Oh, nice. Although I had never had an Indian curry until I was about well, I was I was in London doing my degree at the time. So I would have been in my early twenties was the first time I tasted um Indian food and that's that stuck with me, but I do love Caribbean food as well. Do you
0: cook Indian food?
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a great cook, it has to be yeah, said. But, but I've it. got one or two dishes that, mm. you know, I can do um,
0: respectably
1: well. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, then just moving on to like your work with uh, writing on the wall, um, I guess it would be good if we maybe give the audience some context into what it's all about.
1: Yeah, so Writing on the Wall is a festival and writing development organisation and we began in the year 2000, right? that's when Writing on the Wall was established and it grew out of um, the Dockers dispute that was happening in Liverpool in the late 90s and following that dispute, a group of activists um, and former Dockers and my co-director, Mike Morris, and Jimmy McGovern and a number of other writers got together as a writers' group um, and they produced the documentary Dockers that, uh, that um, was shown on Channel 4. Mm-hmm. And from that group and the discussions that took place, it was identi- a need was identified for a platform um, that would showcase working-class writing, and would bring that to the fore. Um, and that's how the WOW Festival started. That was before I joined. Um, and, I, and, and you know, when I say working class, I mean working class in all of its diversity. And when when I joined, it was 2005, so it'd been established for five years. And um, at that time, our main focus, although we did some projects with young people, our main focus was... Um, the festival, the annual writing festival, mm-hmm. and it was in which which ran for for a week, and it was in the capital of culture. Two thousand and eight, we thought, okay, let's do something special, and so the festival ran. We we programmed a whole month long um, festival, and that's the format that we follow. Um, still, it works well with audiences it's a crazy number of events but we we pull it off every year so that yes yeah, so we do the annual festival in may we started in in well for quite some years now we've been doing a black history month festival in october of course and then we run a whole range of different writing programs working with different sections of the community different age groups we've got a big we just finished a an extensive um, schools-based project called Superheroes, Words Are Our Power. Um, We've got a spoken word project um, in schools. And then we work with adults. One of our adult programmes is called Right to Work, Mm -hmm. and that's aimed um, at those who are unemployed or economically inactive, with the aim of upskilling people um, for the jobs market, for those thinking... About getting closer to the jobs market and upskilling people using writing.
0: Oh, amazing!
1: So that's just a that's just a few yeah. of the projects. We also have a a heritage strand um, where we've worked with archives. Um, one of those that was first brought the the archive that was first brought to us was that of a writer from the 1920s and 30s, George Garrett, mm-hmm. who was a seafarer and an activist, and also a writer. And we were brought a collection of material, incredible documents from uh, from his family, from by his grandsons. Mm-hmm. And we developed what we call creative heritage. So um, we work with communities mm-hmm. to catalogue, to sort, to research these heritage materials. And then using... Um, different artistic forms to raise awareness of of the the archive but also the period that the archive was produced in so following the george garrett archive we were presented with a collection of letters from black seafarers in um in 1919 to 1921 which were written against the backdrop of the 1919 race riots. So these are just, that's just two we've continued on um, working on different archive collections, but the key to it is the community um, is at the heart of, of the process of archiving and exploring heritage.
0: Amazing. So identity definitely plays a key role in what you do.
1: It certainly does. Yeah, Yeah. it does. Um, And, and, you know we in terms of how we program our festival, well, in terms of you know the writers who deliver our programs, we feel you know it's not just about ticking a box, mm-hmm. it's about um the richness that different writers from different communities can bring um and also the artistic excellence. That, that we are supporting and we are developing. So, yeah, identity and inclusion um, in, in terms of, you know, I suppose all different identities is really crucial to the work that we do at Writing on the Wall.
0: So how were you able to um, navigate the whole pandemic and... Um how
1: did you survive it? Yeah. <laughs> writing on the wall. Well, it's it's um yeah, looking back God, we we just just at the point that um lockdown happened, we were about to announce our festival, our annual festival. Um and just before we were told that lockdown is absolutely a happening, we cancelled the festival. So the the festival that we've been programming for months, we had to make the very difficult announcement that um there is no festival this year. But then um staff were all working from home and worked incredibly well from home and the decision was taken very quickly to offer an online festival and um so it was a it was a different festival to that which we'd programmed but it was, um, it was called WowFest Lockdown. And yeah, so everything was, on, was on, conducted on Zoom, um, but um, freely available through Facebook. It was streamed through Facebook and it was freely available. And we managed to move all of our projects online um, and support people, whether that was through um you know guiding them in terms of how to use zoom and online programs or whether it was actually providing equipment um laptops tablets so that people uh, could join us online all of our all of our activities were moved online that year
0: i know you've already touched on some of your current projects um is there any other ones that you'd want to share that you've not already mentioned um, yeah, we've been we were in the middle of
1: creating um, a campaign to tackle sexism in the workplace. Uh, we were commissioned by Culture Liverpool to work with um, a, a range of organisations across the city to explore uh, the nature of sexism in the workplace with different employees and following those... Um, We had focus groups with employees and following those focus groups, we've created a series of films that really highlight what sexism in the workplace is, but also um, the impact and also how it can be challenged. So we're really um, towards the end of that project now and we're very close to launching which is going to be hugely exciting. We're also um, working, we've got a project called Watch Your Story, and it really is what it says on the tin. It's encouraging people um, to write in whatever form is most comfortable for them to tell a story, whether it be a fictional story or a story from their own experience. And at the moment, we're working with Person Shape Support. Um, and a collection of mums who've come together to write about their, their experiences, and we're soon to be delivering that same project with dads out in Everton
0: oh, Amazing, so um, I'm just curious to find out because um, I've looked at your some of the work you've done your background and I'm quite interested in understanding what inspired you to get onto your current path with writing on the wall when i was um before
1: i was working at writing on the wall i was employed as the black and racial minority action plan coordinator for liverpool which is probably one of the longest titles you'll ever hear Mm -hmm. um and i was working with a black and racial minority network of community organizations um and really we are putting an action plan together to say what communities wanted to see in terms of health culture education um crime and uh, crime and safety so that was what i was doing and and I, you know it was a, it was a great experience mm-hmm. and then the job for for at writing on the wall was advertised and i did You know, I did two degrees that had a big um, literature element, if you like. And it seemed to me that I could kind of bring this learning into the job at Writing on the Wall. But also, you know, the hugely valuable experience of working with communities could be brought into the arts in, in a way that I don't think it really was at that time, um, you know, across the sector, communities are much more center stage now within the arts. But I think um, at that time it was something that I enjoyed bringing to the table, if you like. Yeah,
0: no, I think it's really amazing how you were able to bring all that together and uh, lead the way, I think. Yeah. Thank you. So what's next?
1: What's next? We are um programming for our festival in May next year. We're just coming up with a title for that actually, okay. um, which is always great fun in the WoW office and beyond we get um debates mm-hmm. around the best titles. So we're programming for WOW Fest next year. We are also um, going to launch a new young writers programme. Since 2017, we've had we've worked with young people in terms of writing and spoken word art. Um, some of the uh, very successful poets and spoken word artists that are around in the city today, like Blue Saint and Amina Atik, yeah. we're proud to say that we um, worked with them when they were... They started working with us when they were very young and they're still working with us today. So in the new year, we will be looking to recruit a new um, cohort of young writers and spoken word artists.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, We want to celebrate you. So on a personal level or career level, is there anything that you feel like you've achieved that is like a personal achievement to you? because just listening to you just your career alone is an achievement and you probably don't look at it like that
1: um yeah i mean the 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 book that i wrote yes. with emmy and yora that we co-wrote together i'm very i'm very proud of that i think
0: Tell us a little bit about the book
1: So that was based on the archive of uh, letters and documents from 1919 that I mentioned just earlier, mm-hmm. and really, it, it's it's a it's a book that explores that period, but it also draws parallels between what was happening to um, black workers in 1919, the the racism they experienced, the attitude to them as as immigrants, although they were British citizens because they came from across the empire, but I think drawing the parallels with how people who are arriving into this country today are stark, and I think there's real lessons from 1919 um, that we need to learn now in terms of welcoming and supporting um, newly arrived communities.
0: Oh, brilliant! Um, I was going to ask you what's next, but you've already touched on your preparations for next May's uh, Wild WOW Festival. Um, how can people connect with that and any other work you're doing? And the book. Is it on Amazon? Yeah, yeah it's, it's it on, on
1: Amazon, Amazon, but you can also order it through our website. Oh, um, so it's ratingonthewall.org.uk. Okay. If you put Raising on the Wall Liverpool, our website will come up and you'll have all of our activities. The name of the book is um, "Great Water Race Riot.
0: Amazing! Now we've come to the bit that is literally like my favorite part of this conversation. We're gonna go into some fun fashion-related questions. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? I'm
1: probably not the best person. To...
0: So, what's one weird or unusual item you've got in your bag? Weird or unusual item in my bag? Or unexpected.
1: (laughs) Um, I don't know if it's that weird or unusual, but these days I carry a fan everywhere with me wherever I go, and that is due to being menopausal.
0: That's a good accessory to have. It is a good accessory. Yeah, it's handy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing. And,
1: and you know, you can mix and match with colours and oh, styles. Oh, so
0: you've got, you've got um, a collection?
1: <laughs>
0: oh, lovely. Next fun question for you. Um, have you got any item of clothing or accessory that you feel emotionally attached to? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I've got a number of silver bracelets on. One of them I've worn since my early 20s. And I very rarely take them off. And for no other reason that I just feel a bit undressed and a bit odd without them on, because I've been wearing them for that long. who um, bought them for you? All different. Um, I think I bought the first. Do you know, the first one was just given to me by a shopkeeper in Turkey. Um, just, just are as they're a all gift. Quite similar. Yeah, yeah. No, they are all quite similar, and yes. uh, and and my daughter always said when she was young, I know when you're around, and I know when you're coming. And their daughters always say, "Oh, yeah, that jangling. It's just oh, we know your mum's here when we hear the jangling." Oh,
0: lovely! What's your personal style?
1: Really, very casual. Um, you know, if you come into the Wow office on most days of the week, you will just find me in jeans, probably trainers, um, so casual and comfortable. Of course, during the festival, you might—if I'm on stage—you might find me a little bit more dressy. Uh,
0: what inspired you to wear green today?
1: <laughs> I know I'm
0: wearing green. I as know well. what a
1: coincidence, and I'm just gonna give kind of the honest answer yeah. is that it was in the wardrobe and it didn't need to be ironed
0: I love that <laughs> my reason for wearing green is because I have a color for each day of the week and Friday is a green day wow so yeah um what do you love shopping for anything in particular
1: I can't say I do love shopping you know I I Really, shopping is something that I have to force myself to do. Whether it's you know physically in the shop,
0: It's this for club?
1: For anything, anything, Whether it's physically in the shops or online, I just I just don't love shopping.
0: I was gonna, my next question was going to be, what do you hate shopping for?
1: So shopping, kind of everything, <laughs> kind of everything,
0: everything. Yeah. Okay, and then last but not least, um, do you have a, a particular brand or shop that you like or that you would go to if you had to go shopping?
1: <coughs> no, no, not really, yeah. not really. I mean, one thing I will say on the shopping front, and, and which is a kind of nice thing, I'm about to go for Christmas uh, to the Gambia, oh, which I go to a lot, and I will be looking for African fabrics. Um, for my grandchildren, really, and that is one one side of shopping that I'll probably enjoy. Oh,
0: amazing! I, I have many of those, so yes, you can ask me any questions about the prints. I will do. <laughs> yeah? Um, we've come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me, and thank you to our listeners. Um, who've been listening not just to this episode but to every other episode thank you so much Um, you can connect with us on our socials feel free to like comment and subscribe if you haven't already done so Thank thank you